like to pay a couple respects to the people that made me what I am today. Welcome to the Soul Patch Podcast, the podcast where three expats discuss education, culture, and life here on the Korean Peninsula. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm here with uh, Ryan and Kevin. Guys, how are you doing this evening? Doing awesome. All right. Good to hear. Uh, you know, today we're... stay out of the heat. Yeah, right? yeah. You're, you're out, of the, uh, out of the picture and out of the heat, man. Um, but, uh, but you're still with us. Uh, so we, uh, this week we're going to yeah, talk about uh, how, uh, you know, basically we're going to uh, talk about our own uh, educational experiences here in Korea and how, uh, what we've noticed and how it's changed over the past uh, 15 or 20 years. In my case, uh, I've been here just a little bit longer than uh, you guys have, but uh, I think the dynamic um, pretty much is, is, is very similar. And uh, so I just uh, thought maybe, you know, we'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, kick it over to you guys and, and maybe you can uh, tell me uh, maybe what is one of the, uh, the most uh, salient uh, difference, uh, differences from uh, back then and now that you have, uh, have recognized or noticed in your, in your time here. And uh, I'll leave it open for either of you guys. Yeah, I guess I could start. Um... I mean, the one that probably most people are assuming to hear about is uh, the tech stuff, technology. Right. Um, technology has changed a lot in the last 10 years for pretty much most people's lives and careers and things like that. I try to think back to 2009 when I came to the university and was thrown in a classroom and told, you know, here are your materials and uh, here's your hardware. Here's your hardware. Here's what you're going to be using. And in the classroom, as you could picture, like a modern classroom, even, even then in 2009, I had a lectern that had a computer in it. We still have those. They've been updated, but it's the same thing. So it's a mm -hmm. PC mounted in the lectern. And then there's, um, there's a camera for recording. If you want to use that, it's in the back of the room pointed towards you, um, like a gimbal thing, whatever you call it, yeah. and, which you can control. And then there's a projector screen, of course, with a projector mounted towards it. So you control that via um, that system. Since then, we haven't, I haven't had any further advances really in the classroom hardware. Like I don't have like some smart interface with my phone or anything mm -hmm. really like that. But one of the things in technology that's really changed, that's, I would say advantageous, that's really helped me is you have to remember 2009, there's no smartphones. So yeah, everybody's rolling with a flip phone, right? If, if I remember yeah. correctly, the students, Yeah, you got a camera, yeah, yeah. you got text messaging, but it's not what it is now. It's not a computer. Yeah. And I had a policy uh, regarding cell phones, like most teachers, I think would in a small classroom, you know, we're working with 20 students at the time. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a very intimate space. I didn't really, it didn't need to be a policy. Students understood it. When you're in class, you don't have your phone out. You wouldn't see a phone. The phones would be in their backpacks and bags, pockets, blah, blah, blah. Phone's gone. Uh, I evolved, just it kind of happened naturally to saying, okay, so this is after smartphones, so quickly thereafter, maybe like 2012, maybe around that era, 2011. 
yes, you can have your phone on your desk, but please keep it face down mm. and please put it on vibrate. So if you get a, if you have a message, you can respond, but really quick, just make one message and then put it back. And that worked pretty well to now in uh, 2021 or 2019, the last time I saw a classroom. Uh, <laughs> right, right. The, yeah, it's, it's been a little while. The policy evolved again to on day one of any course, any course. I tell my students, I say, okay, cell phone policy is this. You must always, always, always have your cell phone. And I want you to always, always, always have it on your desk because we can use it for mm -hmm. translation things, for image search searches, which is great for understanding phrases um, or different concepts and things like that. So for me, that was the one of the bigger evolutions of technology. I went from not really using... I don't even use the AV system, like the computer and the projector. I'm a old school guy. I mm -hmm. use the marker. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't, I don't really show a lot of content. And then I do almost no PowerPoint as well, actually. Zero, zero. I don't know. I, I don't think I have a single PowerPoint. I, I know I don't have a single PowerPoint on my computer here. Um, so I went to like the, the phone, the phone was the big evolution. And there's just so many more advantages to it. Students turning in homework. Um, when I put students in groups, usually I can count on at least one person having airdrop and I have like Apple stuff. So uh, airdropping documents is just so simple, so fast. I don't need to worry about email threads and finding people. It's just like, send it to me right now. I'm standing here. I, I love stuff like this. Okay. So mostly positive experience with tech. Yeah. Um, How about you? Like, Jack, what do you think of like, like, like for tech specifically? Yeah. So I, I like I said, I started, uh, if we're just talking about the university experience, um, I started teaching in 2006. And uh, basically, at the time, it was it was just kind of the there were uh, three teachers or three or four of us. And we all had pretty draconian phone rules. It was like, you don't need it. I don't want to see it. If yeah, I see it, totally. I'm taking it. Like that's the level <laughs> of insanity that I was working at at that level. Because I, I have told, I've evolved a lot. Um, I, you know, I think just over the last, just when you teach for uh, 16, 15 or 16 years at the same school, you sand off a lot of those rough edges. You know, just time. You know, that's why you the best. I think the best teachers in high school were like they were like 62 years old and they were like, <laughs> I know every single one of you. I've met you a hundred times before. I know exactly what your, you know, your deal is. Yeah, they, I know, they I know that knew, archetype. I know that archetype. I yeah, know that archetype. <laughs> exactly. I, I know, you know, they, they can just, they just, they're, they're, uh, they just have so much experience. And so I was, you know, fresh and green at the time. So I was, I really took it personally if someone was text messaging while they're, supposed to be listening to my my lecture and it was a lecture back then like it was a a bona fide lecture and we can talk about that a little bit later um but uh but i just found that it was like um you know trying to plug a dam with your finger you know what i mean it's just like this is coming and if you think you can hold this back and stop this you're the most irrational person uh, on the planet because um so what, what started out is this very kind of draconian position of like, I don't want to see it put in your bag. 
um, taking points away if I saw somebody text messaging or whatever to uh, especially when the first, uh, the, 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 the first, uh, generations of smartphones started coming out, I started to, I started to soften my approach on it and think, okay, there's actually some useful tools in these things, you know, um, now we've got internet, we've got access to a dictionary. Um, you can take a photo and describe the photo. You can use it for an activity. I started doing that, uh, at some point. And so, um, I, I adopted a much more similar approach to you is like, you know, within, it was like, the, I, I tell my students, I say, I want office etiquette. You wouldn't sit there and text message all yeah. day in Samsung. You'll get fired, right. you know, but right. they also aren't going to be slapping your wrist for answering a text message from your husband or wife or girlfriend or uncle or whatever. And so, and yeah. if you need to take a phone call, go outside, do it quickly, come back in. I mean, it's just office etiquette. That's my yeah, man. Like I have, I, I have the exact, I had the pretty good way to put same, it. Mm -hmm. I had the exact same kind of evolution. I abbreviated my, my like story there, but it's pretty much okay. the same. Like, well, it was smartphones landed. It was like slap. They just hit. Like, oh, yeah. it was, you know, two thousand nine when I came in. So they were already kind of there was such a thing as a smartphone, but it wasn't, it wasn't as massive until like the next year. But the next year it was just sort of like everywhere, and people were dealing with it different ways. A lot of teachers were like, like you said okay, I don't want to see it. Right. You got to put yeah. it away. If I see it, you're losing points or something like this. But then, you know, on the other extreme, it's like, you know, some professors is letting them do whatever, but it's the same as like having a kid with a laptop open during the middle of the class and they're on like yeah. World of Warcraft or something or what I Like, how do you draw that line? And I found it kind of similar to what you just described. It was like, all right, aside from this maybe being a tool for translation and stuff, that wasn't my first impulse. My first impulse was more like what you're saying is that this is an integration in life. I'm, I'm checking, I'm getting messages. Come on, man. Like I'm getting messages on my smartphone behind the lectern. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's mm -hmm. happening. Oh, it's yeah. happening. And sometimes yeah. during class, I'm responding with simple, like, you know, obeying basic etiquette, you're responding. So yeah, expect the same of the people you're hanging out with. So just, you know, they're 20 year olds, put it at least, you know, so put them on the same page as you. You can, you can evolve or you can lose all your hair. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's too late for me yeah, there, but, uh, yeah, you it's know, gone. <laughs> but, uh, but you get that you can go insane if you, you know, I, I, yeah. when I see people um, or hear about people that are still fighting this war, I'm like, it's like the, it's like those, uh, those Japanese soldiers from World War II and it, but it's like 1975 and they're on some island still defending the <laughs> Japanese empire. And you're like, dude, World War II ended about uh, 30 yeah, years ago. Just, and just uh, take it down. Take yeah, it down. just you lost, man. You, the smartphones won, teachers lost, figure it out. You know, I mean, that's yeah, and, really and find, find their, find their utility. Do you, guys, do you guys know anyone who still has hardcore phone policies that are still like, keep their phone down the classroom? I'm suspicious of someone in particular that I think Kevin, you and I both know uh, in particular, he probably does. Um, I think he's been successful with it in his teaching style. So I think he tries to do a very direct, um, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, I can probably guess. Brute force, brute force, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, I, hey, Kev, I, I appreciate that. Though. Kev, your, cool. your mic is uh, a little bit, uh, 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 I don't know what the word is, but uh, a little bit uh, shaky. Um, maybe you're hooked up to the wrong uh, uh, microphone. 
see if that's a little bit better. There we go. Be. Oh, that's better. No, yeah. I had the fan on. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, oh, you were breaking right. up just, a little bit. So sorry, Ryan. I'll just I didn't mean to sweat know. instead. That's okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, I just I think there is there is times that it, that it's useful, and I guess in a live classroom, even in like 2019, I would definitely do that. Uh, where I would oh, for example, many um, role play type activities for conversation building. I would tell students that you have to put away your phone. That happens probably every other week in a regular class where I sure. tell my students, all right, right now, because it'll break my activity. Like um, I want them to be like, we're analyzing, like this is a early exercise, uh, looking at syllable count. Kev, you know this one, like working with syllables and haiku and, and patterns. And trying to get students. Yeah, that was to... one of those lessons that we talked about a couple weeks ago that, that I, I created and you made better. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but I think <laughs> then it probably went back to you and you made it better. It just kind of keeps keeps moving. But anyway, in this lesson, for people listening here, the lesson is basically you're having the students. Um, it's back and forth, I, yeah. Yeah, this, the students are trying to learn how to identify syllables in English with uh, uh, English, Roman alphabet, English characters. And as probably most uh, listeners know, these rules are a little fast and loose, okay? They're not, they're not so tight. And for a lot of Korean students that we have, they're coming from a world of Hangul, which is, as far as syllable count, is incredibly reliable and fascinatingly right. reliable. It's fantastic. So this is something that they struggle with and it makes for a really fun exercise, a really fun way to engage the class because they've all struggled with this, but it's a way to like isolate it, identify it and have fun with it. So for this, I have the students like working with haiku poems, but if they can go on their cell phone and they can just Google or neighbor how many syllables in this word, the, the game, the activities busted. So yeah. I would say- Same with trivia, really, you know? Like yeah, a totally, trivia game? Totally, I mean, totally. just, what's the point? Of course. Right. So, yeah, I would think, I think it's fair to say that while I'm open to understanding somebody needing to fire back a text to someone, like, can you meet for lunch? No. Okay, that's cool. Flip it. You're done. Uh, it's like you said, office etiquette. Mm -hmm. Now, what do, you, what do you do with the uh... semi-adults? They, they understand. What do you do with a student that uh, just doesn't get it? You know, that's like uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to sit in the corner. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to cacao for for you know the whole hour and ten minutes uh, of this class. Welcome to the basement. F F now, all the do, way down. Do you do you address it at the? I mean, I know this is not about class control. I'm kind of changing the topic a little bit here, but I just uh, because you brought it up. Um, how how do you deal with that? I'm just curious from your, your, uh, you guys, your, your point of view. I won't, I won't call it. Usually that, that usually isn't an issue for me. Okay. I, I usually just like yeah. when, uh, if they're on their phone, I, I, cause I'm, I'm constantly walking around the classroom. And so I'll just walk around and when they're doing it, if they don't notice me, I'll just take it from their hand and play, put it face down on their desk immediately. So I don't take it away from her or anything. I just take mm -hmm. it from their hand, put it on their desk and just keep walking around the classroom. Don't address it at all. It's just like, and they get the hint pretty quick. And if they keep going at it, but usually they don't at that point, maybe once or twice. And at that point, um, I might actually take it away just for a short bit. Or I'd take it from their desk and put it on their friend's desk. Oh, man. I keep I moving it I slightly touch, further away. From I don't them. touch any. But this is pretty stuff. rare. I know. It's just, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I've got oh, I've gosh. got like fear of lawsuits. Like I don't touch anybody's stuff. Like if I see somebody on their phone, I might hover over them if we're in like discussion, especially if it's a discussion. Come on, like you're supposed to be talking to somebody. So we work as a group project time. Yeah. Like so I'll just go over to and be like, "Are you for real?" If they defy that, like if they just look at me and like, "Huh?" Then I stop the class. And I'm just, and I'm just like, I just go full adult. I'm like, "Look, man, you're 20. What are you doing here?" Are you just here for the requirement? Like, you know, most of our courses are required credit. <laughs> I'm like, let's just acknowledge that. Hey, how many people here are for required credit? <laughs> Check it out, guys. Cool thing happening today. Today only. If you're just here for required credit, please leave. Mm-hmm. And I usually get, you know, nobody's ever done it. But you get the awe, right? <laughs> Shock. It's enough just to put them in check. But typically the student won't defy. Usually it's like a Twitch thing. Like they're, they're on their phone because it's just habit. Right. Yeah, and and yeah. talking in a foreign language, if they're mm-hmm. working on a, a conversation exercise, that's stressful. So they pick up their phone. It de-stresses them like it's their way to like, hey, I just got to check what are my notifications right now. Right. So I walk up to them. They'll put it back. But if I see it happening a lot and I have to walk up very often or if I just see this person, I don't like to call it out in front of the class because it wrecks the rapport with, with the yeah. gang. Like you're just you're wrecking the party, man. You're going to destroy other people's chance to keep the flow going, which is where the learning happens when they keep moving. Well, so I just like wait to the end of class. And I stop in the class I'm like, hey, hey, yeah. we got to talk for a second. You got to have it. You got to have it. You got to fix it. And if you don't fix it next week, I'm going to take off all your attendance credit. That's just the yeah. way it is. I mean, that's the only leverage you have, you know, is, yeah. is the uh, the points in the book, you know. Um, yeah. It's like you're not going to comply. I, I don't know. I'm, not that I have this problem. Um, like you said, I usually when you deal with it, when usually when you just call attention to it in a very uh, professional way, not not uh, trying to embarrass them or humiliate them in front of everybody else, which, uh, you know, which sometimes when you feeling when you get that that kind of uh, frustration, you know, you're like, you're, you might, my first instinct yeah. is to, oh, I'm going to be sarcastic. I'm going to, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to turn everybody against you. It's almost the comedian's mentality, right? Of the heckler, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you're going to heckle my class. All right. Totally, well, I'm going to totally. turn this whole group against you. And, and it's like, yeah, I really have to fight that impulse because I think it's, it's, uh, it's great in a comedy club not so great in a classroom, you know, in an educational setting. Man, if anybody's listening who's like new to teaching in general, teaching not just, you know, in Korea, at a university, whatever, teaching anywhere, that, that, right there, that is the lesson for crowd control. Mm -hmm. Get rid of that freaking impulse because it's going to defeat you. It feels good. It's visceral. It's going to make you feel good in that moment. You're going to be like, ha Yeah. Know what you just did? You just derailed all of your opportunities for the next 50 minutes, maybe longer. Oh, and anytime you you try. Yeah. And they're also like, I thought Jack was cool. Now I think he's kind of a dick. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, That that is enough to, you know, uh, I think kind of uh, uh, like you said, derail that and also uh, kind of uh, eats away at the goodwill that you have uh, created. You know, I think it's, it's kind of like they, uh, I I heard this old saying or whatever. It's like, uh, you know, uh, it takes one uh, negative comment to a child to erase like a, a thousand attaboys. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that is, I, I think that is kind of true because we, I think as humans, we, we only, we remember that, that grievance, that embarrassment, and we forget yeah. about all the good stuff 
And so you, you know, it takes, yeah, like you said, you, you called it that, that, That's, yeah. but that's the balancing act of, of, of crowd control in general. Like if you're crowd controlling, you are an authority, right? You're trying to control, you're trying to police. That's the same thing a cop has to do. They need to police a situation, a security guard, a bouncer. You want to keep the, the people feeling like you're part of the, gr the group. But the truth is you're not, when you're a teacher, you're not a buddy. You're not another student. You're mm -hmm. trying to make objectives, right? So you've got learning objectives. You've got things you want them to do. But you want to be able to, to keep that flowing. But at the same time, you got to put people in check. There has to be boundaries. But if you, ex if you try to maintain those boundaries with force and then the audience sees you as authoritarian, boom, now there's a cop in the room. All right. That's not fun. It's no. not fun when a cop's at the party. <laughs> Right. And then then what happens? Like yeah. people stop engaging. And I think that's even more true for um, the arts and any type of creative um, uh, creative medium or classroom. And, and language is definitely like 50 percent more art yeah. than science. Yeah. Well, so the, the, are... and to tie this into like how we've changed, I think these are, you know, hmm, these are please. little little pieces of wisdom that we have picked up over the years. I'm sure that you I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, you got it early. I know that for me, it took I. I Come from the school no. of hard knocks man like i i had to go through all those different impulses and 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 the you know uh handling those situations poorly when i was a young when i was a new teacher to kind of figuring it out and understanding you know what hey man it's like if i treat you with respect you'll treat me with respect we don't need to do this game i i, I don't know about you guys but I, I you know on the first day i like to uh I, I like to um, tell my students, you know, call me Jack, you know, don't, mm -hmm. you don't have to call me Mr. McBain or whatever. And I know some people have lots of success keeping things very formal and that's fine too. That's I, I, I think there's, you know, there's a More million ways different ways to teach. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I think you got to find that your voice. I've always gone know? with first name in, in university. Like that's something that I got from one of my high school teachers though, but also all, all of my university professors, I use first names for all of them. And so I do the same in my class. It's like, call me Kevin from, from day one. Yeah. But I, I remember that from one of my, my high school teachers, Mr. Dehe. And I'll, I'll never forget this because on graduation day from high school, he was all, he was in high school, it's always Mr. Right. In, in middle school, in elementary school, it's always Mr. So-and-so, Miss so-and-so. Um, and on graduation day, I was like, oh, Mr. Dehe, I'm done. You know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, call me Don. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you're a real person now. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of do the same thing. Once you're an adult, like you're a real person. I, you can call me by my name. I don't need that authority name anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah. I I'm like trying. Mr. Dehe playing the long, the, the long game. Brian's man. right. We're not completely <laughs> friends. <but. laughs> Mr. Dehe's like he's, third grade. He's, he's like, there, I, right? I can't wait for uh, 2011 when uh, I can say this line to. <laughs> I'm just going to dunk on these guys. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's like coming up. It's like I waited yeah, 10 I, years for this. Call me Don, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I just, I get the, I, I get the point of trying to maintain the authority with some of those, uh, some of those decorations, that superficial stuff, like professor, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think there is some, some, some valid use of that. However, if you take uh, both approaches, uh, if you look for the average, the, the value I just think there's way more value of trying to play to the level, respect the student, and just leave those labels behind, especially, especially for freshmen, university freshmen, especially. 
they've just come from an authoritarian system. They've come from in a, uh, a system where they're forced legally to be there, forced mm-hmm. legally to take those classes. They don't understand, even if they like, you know, take the time to think about it, they don't really understand that they are voluntarily there. They're a paying customer, right? I'm giving them a service. They're, they're buying this, Yeah. right? So I use that sometimes with, over the years, I've had a few students that have really tried to give me a hard time. And I've just taken them aside and I'm like, look, man, you, you're, you're paying me. Why are you paying me? Why do you want to do this? If you just want the credit, like I'll give you a C and you can just get out of my room because you're derailing my class. And I, and I try to tell them like, look, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm trying to help you. I want you to succeed. And if this class is not where you want to put your energy, let's just like call it what it is because it's not helping anybody. You know, I've never once had somebody take the offer. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) of course not. Of course not. Um, I, I also have that same conversation with my students every semester. I say, look, you know, this is, uh, it's my job to bring it because you're paying me to do this. You know, yeah. like uh, if I don't prepare my lessons and I don't meet, you know, I, I don't uh, uh, meet the, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say, like uh, do my end of the bargain, you know, like uh, yeah. provide my end of the bargain. Um, but, but, I'm, but I'm also saying this is not, this is not uh, a one-way street, you know? Uh, you have to, you're also, you, you're also required to do some stuff to, to pass this class, you know? And yeah. uh, I, I understand, you know, I understand the idea of the hostile witness, you know? Like, you just, you're going to have a certain number of those that are just like, okay, I have to take this class to graduate. Um, I would never have chosen this, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> willingly, but I'm here. And I'm like, yeah, just don't throw your money away. And uh, I'll do my, I'll hold up my end of the bargain. You hold up your end of the bargain. And I talk to them like adults. I try to have that conversation. It does work. It does, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it does work. And I think that my impulse at the very beginning, when I first started teaching here, uh, teaching university was to, was, was to, to think of them as, as still too young, you know, like uh, you don't really know what what's good for you and you know you're you're not really in charge of your life so i'm going to kind of you know i'm going to be the boss and i'm going to uh you know and and it was also at that time uh this is back in 2006 um at least in my experience it was a lot more lecture based so it's basically a 2 hour lecture i'm oh, sorry it was like a 1 hour lecture uh, fo- uh followed by a uh, a, a practice toic test and so that was, oh, and it right. was two You're hours coming. once a week. And so it's just like, it's very interesting how some of the programs and I, I, I don't, I can't speak for all the universities in Korea at that time. Um, but I think it was a little bit, it was kind of en vogue back then to uh, kind of teach towards these, these important test skills. Like you need a good TOEIC score in order to get a job at the company. And so yeah. we're going to create a program that's going to help you. And so I was giving them, uh, kind of uh, uh, tips and and things about the TOEIC test that you know might not be uh, common knowledge to. It, it's almost like uh, taking a, a TOEIC Hagwon, you know, in uh, going to Noryangjin and paying and and, and yeah, man, I could see you. And so, uh, so it was very much like uh, uh, lecture based. And uh, and I'll tell you, like uh, for me, uh, 
going back to school, getting a master's degree through, uh, I, I went through Framingham State uh, uh, University um, and, and getting that master's degree changed everything. It just flipped the whole script for me because uh, it was almost like I went from a, what would they call in ESL an audio lingual? It's where like I talk and you, you just repeat what I said. And we just do that over and over again until you start to you know, understand the patterns but it's very unidirectional. It's just me talking to them, them parroting what I'm saying and reading conversations. And it's just, uh, I, I've have, I had such a flip. Um, and I'm wondering if you guys had a similar evolution, like what was your, what was your philosophy, your teaching philosophy when you first started in 2009 versus how you see it now? Um, uh, has I it changed? In, I came in, I came in so hot. <clears throat> I came in so hot. I had come from never teaching before and my background was educational psychology. So I had a background in telling teachers what to do. That right. was my background. So I came in with just like books, books worth of, of concepts, philosophy, how to approach the classroom. And I came in just active control on everything, not knowing that's what I was doing. I thought I'm just going to do the best freaking job possible. What I learned really fast. I mean, a lot from the guy sitting right here, Kevin, I learned a lot from Kevin, a lot from Kevin and a guy that only stayed with us for that first opening semester when we uh, redesigned the program at, at Seoul, which is Trey, uh, calling out names here, but um, was he there only one guys, semester? He, I, I missed Trey. One semester. He was awesome. <laughs> he was a good guy. Uh, it was just hallway conversations with these two guys. So at this point in time, like Kevin and I didn't really know each other. He was just, we were just work uh, acquaintances, but I was talking to them and just getting an idea of what they were doing. And I realized they had such a looser environment going on. They were letting students actually have conversations versus like, all right, we're going to work on this grammar construct here. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. They were like, no, I mean, the way you learn language is by using it. I remember Trey said something in particular, and I know Kevin parroted this at some point, or maybe you said it first, but I remember Trey had said, said this. Um, he was describing a lesson to me and it sounded like the lesson was, 30 minutes of instruction for 15 minutes of actual action and then a review for 30 minutes. And I'm like, man, 30 minutes of instruction. Like I didn't, I didn't laugh. I'm making the wrong expression here. But it was like for real. Uh, and he understood. And he, he, his response was anytime the student is struggling to comprehend, that's a comprehension exercise. Even if it's just the instructions you're giving them, think about that. Like that's right. a real thing. If they're trying to understand what you're trying to tell them to do, that's a type of comprehension exercise. And it gives you an opportunity to talk to them, to dialogue with them. When they don't understand, go engage, make them understand. That's a real life experience with communication. And yeah, that wasn't like that moment, but seeing these other teaching styles and how you can play and have better outcomes. You can have a more productive room. You can engage better. If you just take away some of those structures that come from academic papers and you just go into a room with a really simple objective, everyone today will speak on their own, you know, without massive prompt, they're going to create language. They're going to create it. They're going to produce it. That's all I got. That's all I got to do. And lo and behold, I just started having fun at my job. I fell in love with it. Um, it became easier. And, 
the yeah, students I mean, became happier. I mean, I just I, yeah, I, my I reception it, went yeah. went up. I mean, I'm not going to brag about crap like that, but it I became uh, well received by students. Um, I, I really believe if I hadn't made that choice, that not choice, that change, if I hadn't had that kind of epiphany or that shift. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in the same position I am right now, at least not with my job satisfaction. Well, that's funny sure. that you had a, that you had a couple of I don't want to say mentors, but a couple of like um, a couple of guys that you respect, you know, Kevin and Trey, who kind of set you. I, I also had a, a similar experience with a guy uh, that I taught with named John. I won't uh, throw last names in there, but you guys mm-hmm. know John. And uh, uh, we had a very also a really good guy. Yeah, very good guy. I'm sure some of his, uh, he was an idea guy. Like, I mean, he had activities coming out of the wazoo. I mean, just like one after the other. He And uh, um, it, it was, uh, that was one of the- They're, they're great. Talking to him and, and, <laughs> and, and working with him was uh, a, 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 another fundamental change in my teaching that went along, kind of uh, coincided with uh, also uh, doing my master's degree at, at the same time. And so- uh, but Kevin, I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to who's did you have like a, a mentor or somebody that like, did you figure this out on your own? Did you um, is there somebody that you respect that you're kind of like, uh, um, I don't want to say imitate, but in a way we do so, kind of imitate well, our I'm heroes until it, we figure out our own find our voice. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is like, as I'm thinking about my because like, I, I came into this t- teaching with a lot more teaching experience and it was like so I was never the authoritarian figure like I, I never have really done more in in the 15 years that I've been teaching or something um but I think now that I'm thinking about it that that came from um uh first when I started teaching at my university when I was doing my master's I was the same age as the students right so I didn't really feel that I was above them at all so it felt really weird to be the authoritarian figure. And then my first uni job here in Korea, um, all of the students in my class had were older than me and many of them had been teaching longer than I'd been alive in some cases. And so again, even though I was the teacher in the class, I didn't feel that I was the, I, I was really running uphill. It was, it was a tough, a tough game. So then once I got to, to Chungang, I'd already had the the, the authority beat out of me, I guess. Um, and I was just trying to, to, to relate with them a lot more. Um, and I guess I've kind of kept that. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing that Ryan was basically saying, having everyone in the office to just bullshit with about everything. I've gotten so many cool activities and, and changed my activities and ways to do tests or ways to do anything from everyone in the office that it's weird. I, I almost can't even, I can't point to one time one thing that has changed because it's just been a constant evolution of of my teaching style since the beginning to now every semester I, I learned something new and I'm like oh I should let me change let me tweak that just a little bit here and just a little bit there and just a little bit there and just every semester there's something different um although I do think as I'm getting older I'm getting a little bit locked in my ways a little bit more and more and I probably and I miss getting once we get back to the classroom and hopefully I'll, I'll reopen up again once I have more access to people but yeah yeah, it's been a slow constant evolution yeah and i think that's worth mentioning too especially now that we're in like the covid days this is being recorded in 2021 the this idea of um collaboration among teachers 
I know from friends teaching other universities here in Korea doing a similar job that we're doing, they have private offices. And while it would be nice to have my own office where I could lock the door and take a snooze, one thing that is fantastic uh, advantage, um, I think not just for mm -hmm. lesson creation and collaboration, but also just general energy. I love having a mutual office where I can walk in and I mean, Kevin is my caffeine. When I walk in, if I get to see, for real, if I see Ooh. Kevin or I'm not going to keep names out of this, I guess, but there's other teachers. I walk in, I can just be like, mm -hmm. sup, boom. And it's, it's 8.30 a.m. And I'm starting to get fired up about X, Y, and Z. Things are happening. My brain is turned on. Uh, what are you doing? How are you doing this thing? Or even things that aren't like topical to the lesson, just topical about life. You just, you have, um, I mean, I can't help but think that, and I, I mean, I'm happy this is not the case, but I can't help but think that if we could have right now during COVID, the requirement that all of the professors go to the office, but still teach online, like we're required to keep office hours, mm. we could all be there together like once a week for a little like kind of powwow thing. And then we'd still make our online lessons or whatever for this COVID crap. I really think we would have a much better outcome for our online structure. I've talked to many of the people on our staff and no one's doing the same thing. I mean, even the three of us, we've got such different classrooms going on, which is great. I love having, yeah. you know, individual content and teacher creativity, but I don't feel like this is teacher creativity. I think this is like teacher panic. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, he doesn't know what he's doing. I, you know, we're just kind of making it up as we go and students getting really radical different uh, experiences. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I, I'm off there. with you there, 100. percent I I miss the, I I miss the, the group, the the having people to talk to, just to figure out exactly like at the beginning of this. I, I remember trying to start email threads with with our group and being like, so what's everybody planning on doing this semester? Like, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, and it just didn't work, unfortunately. No. And and it would have been so nice to. I mean, you and I talked, and there's a couple of other people that I chat with um a bit, but not that many. And it was really just like, all right, we're on our own here for, for this online time. And everyone's come up with their own systems. And it would be nice to, to have Stream that feedback on each other so bit. that we could improve. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're doing that. That sounds cool. And I've, there have been a couple of things that I've gotten from Ryan specifically, because he and I talk the most. But, but most of it is just like, I'm just going to try these things and see what hits the wall, as opposed to what have you done? What worked? What didn't? And how can I learn from from you? So, yeah, that community is is clutch. Uh, I, and I can't I wait to have to, it back. Uh, in my early teaching days at the university at university level, I, uh, I I also thought, you know, okay, we I need to find out what the other teachers are doing. We need to coordinate our lectures, basically uh, do the same thing. I've kind of I I I, I understand that they're that you need some standardization, right? It can't just be like a totally, mm. you can't just say like, you're gonna do uh, a, a, a group project the whole semester. You're not gonna, we're not gonna use the book at all. Uh, this, we're gonna use half of the book. And then this other teacher, we're gonna use the whole book. I understand how those, that's uh, a, a little bit too, that's a bridge too far. Um, mm. But there are a couple of concepts that, that kind of blew my mind as I was uh, uh, going deeper into like second language acquisition theory and stuff like that. And uh, one of them was uh, the old concept of uh, 
the zone of proximal development. Have you ever uh, heard that before? ZPD? Um, ZPD is like, um, this kind of goes back to what you're talking about uh, when you were mentioning Trey. He's saying, giving instructions. And basically ZPD is that if you draw a circle, uh, the zone of proximal development is just right outside of your circle of understanding. And that's oh the yeah okay, spot, I understand. right. Okay. Um, there's another guy named Stephen Krashen who calls it. Uh, he's got a term called I plus one, and I meaning <laughs> I, I consider mm -hmm. them the same thing. I plus one. So you're always uh, building. Uh, like if you if you are doing teaching me Korean and you just jumped from here, I'm making a circle with my fingers, and this is a podcast. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what I'm saying is just like outside of this circle <laughs> is is a is an area where you can actually learn. That's the learning area. And if you go way far outside of that circle, uh, it's incomprehensible. And yeah, you just so, disengage and you're done. Exactly. And one of yeah, the yeah. one of the biggest themes of of uh, that that I remember from my my program was uh, was comprehensible input. That is the key. It doesn't really matter. It, so I get kind of like pissed off when I hear about like business English. I was like, well, is there really such a thing as business English? I mean, other than like the word, e you know, vocabulary like email and, uh, you know, like uh, sy synergy, you know, it's like these, <laughs> these books are, are nonsense. You know what I mean? It's kind of bullshit. You know, it's just like, no, if you can speak English, you could speak business English because that's. No, what hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to de derail you here because I got a great example. Of OK, it. OK. When when I was in Busan checking out the, the public schools, I, I got plugged into a pilot program they were doing at one of the wealthiest uh, neighborhoods and public school there. And they wanted to teach each of the subjects in English on rotation. So like, it was like, I don't remember what it was. It was like every month they would change which class the kids would get in English, yeah. right? So they're supposed to get different, different vocabulary. I went to this classroom and they were trying to teach, the, it was all geometry. It was like fifth, fifth, sixth grade, sixth grade geometry. And the students are trying to le learn the words like polytetrahedron and parallel line. like. Hmm. totally useful right well i use it i use it <laughs> for a in sixth just grader. about every other sentence you know when i'm talking yeah, so, for a yeah. sixth grader he's gonna walk out the door and get an ice cream and look for the polytetrahedrons on the way anyway <laughs> right. sorry it just yeah. rang a bell <laughs> no but i mean i it's, it's it's almost absurd you know it's like uh would you like to go to a hockey game oh i'm sorry i've never learned hockey english i only know basketball <laughs> english so uh if you get tickets to a lakers game let me know i mean just it's get some flashcards for that quick yeah, I mean, I just, I just find it almost, uh, it's more of a marketing thing for publishers than it is, than it has any sort of grounding in reality. And, uh, and you got to watch for that. that. That's a lot of how the, the, the sales and the, the textbooks, we could have a whole episode on that. Absolutely. And so I've actually kind of lightened up as far as like some teachers doing something different and others teachers doing something different. Um, I, I can almost rationalize it and say, as long as it's comprehensible input, as long as you're meeting these, you know, as, as long as what the students are, are receiving is something that is going to push them just at the bounds of what their current ability is and, and push them just a little bit further. Um, and, then, and then it goes farther into, uh, there's a couple of other, you know, uh, uh, I don't, educational psychologists that I respect. And one of them was, uh, his name is Jerome Bruner. And he talks about scaffolding and a scaffolding curriculum, or sorry, a spiral curriculum is where you come back on a, on a familiar concept and then you introduce a new concept. And then you come back to a, 
Uh, and, and that is, uh, there, there's lots of metaphors for it. They call it scaffolding. They call it a spiral curriculum. It's all the same idea of just pushing that boundary a little bit further. And as long as you're doing that, I don't actually think the content matters that much. You know, whether you're, uh, whether it's about the, the woman that swam from Cuba to, uh, you know, the south, south part of Florida. You know, I, I think that's one in one of your books. Uh, I'm not sure, the, one of the textbooks. Uh, I forgot her name, but uh, she's famous. Um, or you're talking about the Apollo 13, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, space trip or whatever. Um, th these are there's lot there's lots of opportunities to just learn English as long as what the students are receiving is comprehensible. And so I became almost a very like uh, bohemian for a while. Whereas I was like, it doesn't matter, man, as long as it's, you know, comprehensible input. And that was my like Grateful Dead, uh, you know, I wore tie dye during that year that, you know, I, I've come around, <laughs> I've come back around to uh, a more uh, traditional approach of teaching. But I did go through that stage where I was like, it doesn't even matter, you know, what, what book we use and whatever. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know if uh, I think what I've, where I've settled is somewhere like in the middle. You know, where I think we do need some kind of continuity in, in, a, in a program, in any program at the university level, you, the guy next door can't be on, you know, Venus and I'm on uh, Pluto and the other person's on, uh, you know, whatever. It's, it's, you yeah. do need some continuity, but I think you also need that flexibility to, you know, where it doesn't necessarily matter what the content is. It's more about whether it's comprehensible input for the students or whether you're teaching way over their head mm -hmm. or you're boring them. And I think it's, it really all comes down to a flow state, right? Because what's a flow state? A flow state is where you're pushed just above your, you know, just right outside of your, of your comfort level. And it's, yeah, you it's catch not that too wave. bored. You catch that wave and you just cruise. Yes. And, and that's what yeah. I think like a good teacher is always trying to recognize and trying, trying to build a curriculum that, that is going to access that flow state. And I know it's not the easiest thing to do when you have 30 students in the classroom because. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, it's, it's, a class, it's a class this. size issue. Yeah, exactly. It's a class size issue. If, if you're one to one, you have the opportunity to work with that student and you, if you have enough time and if you, if you're asking the right questions and you're looking in the right directions, you can find where that zone is, like you're talking about, that, mm -hmm. that second ring on the circle. Um, I had a really cool experience with this when I was an undergraduate. I took a course called the Philosophy of Mind as an elective. And this elective, I think there was like six or seven students. It was really tiny. And the professor would sit down at us with a long table um, in their, their office. And the requirement was like every week we had readings. And then we'd sit down and we'd talk about them. And the way it would work was the professor would sit down and just ask um, a question, about, you know, we'd read like three chapters from some book that, that um, he assigned. And he would ask for a summary. He'd start pulling questions. You could watch, I mean, it was obvious what he was doing to everybody. Uh, it was obvious to everybody what he was doing is that when someone wasn't responding, wasn't understanding, he'd ask them just like, do you, do you understand this concept? And it was such a small space. Everybody feels pretty safe with the group. And he'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the hell this is about. <laughs> yeah. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't explain it he would just turn to the student that explained it best so far. He'd be like, Hey, you make him understand this. See what you can do. And you let him go for five minutes. Like that was pretty good. You try again, try again. Now you tell me, what did you just learn from these guys? He would just, it was a great design. And it was that concept. It was like mm -hmm. just keeping everybody on that wave. You yes. know, you had a small enough group, you could keep them all surfing together. But if you got 30 kids, it's yeah. 
and you start it's uh, next the, level the, but the, the the other uh, the the benefit though is the the, the how homogenous uh, our classroom situations are so so many of our students come from the same experience and kind of walk in with a very similar baseline level especially based on their major and so it's mm -hmm. actually um I, I you know it, of course it hasn't been perfect every time but uh you know kind of being cognizant of that idea of just like okay let's see if we can find that flow state what activities are going to promote that and, uh, and it kind of brings me to the second thing, which is what you guys, uh, I remember uh, uh, reading about the communicative, John and I, that was our, uh, my, my friend, John, uh, a teacher who I used to work with, uh, our huge thing was all about communicative learning. Just, uh, I, I think there was, I forget what the, the name of it is called, like collaborative, uh, <laughs> there's some like CBL or C, you know, um, I, I forgot what the, the acronym is. Um, and, uh, and there's three, there's kind of a, it's a tripod, right? There's three legs of the stool or whatever. And uh, the first one is your activity should be interpersonal. So you're actually, so it's not, you're disengaged from the activity and you're kind of watching, you're observing. Um, mm -hmm. It's interpretive. So it's not just telling somebody something, but they actually have to interpret the information they're receiving from the the two interlocutors are actually giving information that needs to be interpreted. And then ultimately it's presentational. And so if you can always check off that list, interpersonal, interpretive, presentational, that is the, the, uh, that, that's the paradigm of like a successful communicative activity. And then I whenever like I talk to you guys, you're always checking those three things off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I ask you for an activity or whatever. I got to remember like, that list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put it in the uh, show notes or, uh, you can, uh, download the podcast. <laughs> nice. I don't, I'll tell you again, it, it's interpersonal. It just for our listeners, they might be interested. Yeah. Interpretive Please. presentational. Yeah. Interpersonal, interpretive and presentational. And if you can, if you can design an activity, a, you know, a communicative activity that is always hitting those three, those three things. Uh, you're, you're going a long way to helping your students actually use, make utterances in the target language and actually communicate. And you're not just giving them a script or a dialogue to memorize. It's not, it's not behavioral. It's actually internalizing that second language and, and parameterizing the rules of it and using it in a creative way and, 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 you know, making utterances that are comprehensible and sometimes they're not comprehensible. And so then you, then you get to identify a problem say, Oh, we need to work on pronunciation. We need to work on grammar because uh, uh, I know what you're trying to say, but you probably want to say it like this. And, and so you can, it's just a much easier way to diagnose uh, you know uh, I don't want to say problems. I like to say uh, uh, errors because an error is is something that you are you make the mistake you make every time and a mistake mm -hmm. is just listening to me talk for uh, five minutes i'll make a whole <laughs> slew of mistakes you know but but i do understand the underlying grammar uh because i was born and raised in america and my native language is english but that's a good uh, distinction yeah so i think we making a distinction between mistakes and errors it's like you know everybody makes mistakes just listen to, uh, I'm not going to rip on Trump tonight. Okay. I'm going to, I didn't say that. Um, but, uh, you know, um, there are other, 
Bush, go back no. to Bush. He, yeah, he well, Bush has got his uh, <laughs> his old his old slew of uh, of of uh, uh, weird weird uh, comments. But uh, yeah, so sorry, I I I know I'm 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 all over the place. Today. No, I think I think tonight's yeah. tonight's conversation. We began talking about um, the things that had uh, changed. That was kind of our our theme was the things that have evolved over the last ten years, and I think that it's or twelve years or more. But I think it's kind of fun that our conversation. Uh, digressed into mm -hmm. the topic about um, teaching strategies. Mm -hmm. I think it's a much more valuable conversation, actually. I, I think and, it, but I think that is what have changed. That is growth. That is change. Exactly. Exactly yeah. my point. Yeah. That's my point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of tie back to that, looking at some of the things that um, not just mm -hmm. what I've learned that have made me a better teacher and made my classroom more effective, but uh, also looking at how the world has changed and how it's affected my experience as a teacher in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed, at least at Soul Campus, is that student ability level has in general increased. Now, I still have students that I would say are on par with the lowest skill level students that I had in 2009. I still have those students, but mm -hmm. they're at a lesser degree. And I have more students that are a higher level. So the disparity is actually risen in my classrooms. I have a, I have a very, I have a wider gap in most situations. Yeah. Uh, but I found ways, again, it's, it's, it's forced me to be creative. And I found ways to work with that dynamic that are actually beneficial, specifically for the, um, in, at our school, we have, uh, off, not always, but um, we have specific sections for our basic communications course that are for international students. So students who are not Korean. Um, it's not exclusive. There's international students in the regular courses, but this one's specifically designed for it. And it begins with a lower level textbook. I don't know exactly mm -hmm. why it assumes a lower level because in that room, I can have a rainbow of skill levels to begin with. It's and hard to square that it, circle. It, it, yeah. Exactly. And in addition to having a, having a very broad uh, skill level in those international classrooms, I also get students from around the world. So their background, their, their learning experience in general, not just of language, but their education experience is radically different. You could have a student that comes from uh, Brazil, a student from France and a student from China and a student, from, you know, they're all coming from radical uh, different backgrounds. So it challenged me to come up with some better ideas of how to work with one of those classrooms. And one of the, my favorite things I've managed to design, I think, oh man, when do we start having those classes, those international, specifically international sections? Those started like five years ago, right? Is that six years 2015? ago, seven years ago? Yeah. It's somewhere around there. Has it been that long? It? It's been a few years. Yeah. It was, it, they're, they're the, they're evening courses. So I remember picking those up around like maybe 2013 is early. Maybe not, maybe 2015. Uh, my memory sucks. Anyway, the, the point is I, I developed a, a simple technique for those courses. They are, they meet once a week instead of twice. So they're a long class. They're um, uh, two hours and 50 minutes about. So what I would do is I would go through my lecture through an activity, get everybody working. And I'm just watching every day. You're looking for the student that's disengaged. Now, instead of panicking about them, which I normally would and be like, okay, how do I bring this, this class down? Because I can't, I can't downshift. If I downshift, I'm leaving everybody else at the top, right? Now they're bored off their asses. Now they're not producing anything. They're not getting ahead. So you just carry forward with the lesson that you have. And at the end of the lesson, you give them an activity 
that's a really simple completion activity. Like, okay, I need you to write, uh, you know, 10 sentences regarding this topic that we covered today on this theme, something that's usually grammar based. And when you finish it, give it to me, come up to the class, come up to the lectern here, come check it with me, I'll check you out and you can split. What happens? You get the students that are the extreme high level, they're out of the room. Now I do this with like 15 to 20 minutes left to burn on the clock which is awesome because with 20 minutes, those kids, they're high level, they've already gotten experience for the day, they're out. And so with the last like 15, 10 minutes left, I've just got two or three students left. They're all the low level. They're still working on just writing a single sentence. They feel a little weird, they're left over, but they get the rhythm after you do this a couple of times each week, you know, or each week you're doing this, they, they pick up what's happening. And I just sit down with them, I pull up a chair and it's like, all right, what are we doing? And then you got one on one. Boom, you know, it's a it's a it's a fix for that for that disparity. Right. So, yeah, one of the things I just love about being a teacher in general is that you just always get these um, these problems, and you get opportunity you get opportunities to fix it yourself versus having some program come come down at you or like you know this is this is your job this is what you're supposed to do. It's like no, just make it up, man. Just go for it, and you can often find like, yeah. ways around. I mean, the it's funny fun. thing is, uh, the the interesting as you were talking about that, I was like uh, thinking, I've had the opposite too, where you have a kind of baseline, and then somebody comes in and like, uh, "Hey, what's up, man? Uh, I lived in, uh, you know, I, I grew LA. up in New York, and uh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. spent some time in yeah. LA. So uh, yeah, how's it going?" And I'm like, uh, "Oh yeah. boy, are you in the wrong class, my son? You know, my friend." Uh, yeah. But so what, um, what do you? Do? I have I have those situations too. And what I, I do, do is do do? I deputize that student. I say you're my deputy, yeah. man. I uh, I'm the sheriff, but you're a deputy. Uh, I don't have a little uh, uh, star, but I should get one that I can just kind of pin <laughs> on his, uh, you know, shirt. Uh, and uh, I, because I I said this is a great opportunity for you to to you know th there he's actually in some ways could be could do things that I can't because I can't speak Korean. Um, and that's another mm -hmm. podcast that we'll talk about later. My, uh, I've been here the longest and I speak Korean the worst um, uh, of the three of us and probably uh, many, many more. But uh, the, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have to come, you have to get creative, right? So you kind of deputize this guy and it's like, okay, it, it's, it's not going to serve you to just sit here and go through all of these activities and these, these things that I uh, had planned because you're, this is way far out of your, uh, uh, sorry, this, your zone of proximal development, your ZPD circle is, uh, you know, Empire State Building uh, versus the, uh, you know, uh, uh, two-story house or whatever. And so uh, he, you know, it's not going to do benefit him to just mm -hmm. go through with emotions and just get A pluses on everything. And so what I, what I uh, say to that student is uh, you're going to help some other students that are weaker. And uh, yeah, if you exactly. do that for me, I'm going to reward you in the end because you're you're providing a very, very good service. It's almost like there are two teachers or a teacher and mm -hmm. a teacher's assistant. And uh, sometimes they're up to the task. Sometimes they're not interested. Sometimes they just want the easy grade or whatever. And so they don't buy the book because they're like, why am I buying the book? I already know every word in this book, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. all right, it, you know, I, there has to be a certain level of compliance, you know, to, to go along with my idea. But uh, I, I do. I have done that before into uh, yeah. a lot of success. Yeah. In, in the, in the same, same situation, one of my first experiences of that was in the first couple of years that I was teaching, I had a student that was just blowing out 
the class. It was obvious on the first day. And I talked to another one of our, our uh, coworkers and the professor, and he told me, hey, look, man, it's really easy. I've been doing this before. Here's a test. You give them this test. If they can pass it, it was like some official language test. I don't remember which one he was using. He's like, you use that. Keep that in your record book. It proves that they're able to do X, Y, and Z. You give them an A, get them out of your classroom. All right. So he had done this before and he recommended it. And it seemed like a rational thing to do. This person is fluent in the language. They, they're, they're speaking like they're from LA. They're, they are from LA. They, they, just, yeah. they just flew in. <laughs> right. Like they don't speak Korean. They only speak English. Yeah. So what are they doing here? Um, so I approached the student with that solution. And uh, the student didn't, I'm going to say get upset, but the student uh, disagreed. She was like, no. I'm not leaving. These are all my friends. I'm a freshman. It's my first semester. And this is the social class. This is the class where I get to talk. She's like, I don't want to go. I'm having fun. Why are you kicking me out? What's going on here? And I was like, oh, I, I was told I'm doing you a favor. You know, she's like, no, I'm, I want to be here. And I said, okay, what can we do to, what can we do to give you an experience then? If you want to be here, I don't want you going through the exercise. I'm like, look at this book. I held up the textbook. I said, you know, look at this. All right you can't really benefit from this. She's like, I know, but I still want to hang out. And I said, okay, well, how can, how can we make this a valuable thing for you? And what I think is, what I think is cool about the subject that, that we teach specifically is that the ability for development is very clear and broad. What I mean by that is that at the very basic level, you're teaching um, phonics. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can start down here. Okay. And after phonics, then you, you've got your grammar, you've got uh, bigger constructs. It goes all the way up to public speaking, confidence building, interpersonal skills. That's what communication is. I mean, communication, I don't know why I'm telling you, Kevin should tell us because that's his major. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I've, it takes us all the way through. So a student might be fluent in the English language or any language, but communication skills, that that never stops. I mean, ultimately we can work on confidence and it's like, Oh, you're not benefiting from this, 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 you know what? You're now the classroom assistant. Um, I'm going to have you do a little mini lecture here. Instead of me explaining these concepts, why don't we have you try this and explain to the class, look, we're just doing this because everybody knows, everybody knows this student doesn't belong here. Right. (laughs) Right. We're all having a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. We're all having a laugh at this. So why don't, why don't we have her get up and explain? I'll just take her desk and, you know, so I do, and I pick up her pencil and I pretend that I'm studying. They'll get a little laugh out of it. But then she does the lecture. It's a chance for her to be on stage. It's a chance for her to feel nervous. It's a chance for her to break that ice, uh, you know, build rapport with her, her classmates. That's what she wanted. And That's earn, she earn wanted. that A that she's going to get, you know? Precisely. And, yeah. Precisely. So you yeah. just look after everybody's experience and try to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. Kev, Kev do you have that experience with a, a student like that? With, that was just, uh, you know. Oh, no. Oh. For sure. Yeah, I've had those. I, I do similar. I deputize them as well. I had mm-hmm. one student, I, I'll never forget, a couple years ago, she was from Singapore. Um, and her English was was fluent enough to where she actually, like, sometimes I remember this. I give my the class my, my phone number. And this class, they actually had, she had my phone number. One time she called and I picked it up and was like, hello, hello. I was like, there, there was no one at the phone. And then I, I texted her, I was like, hey, what's, what's happening? She's like, oh, sorry, I butt dialed you. She like knew the word for butt dial. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. Straight up. In this class. So I did the same thing. It's just like, you're the, you're the co-teacher. Like anyone who has a question, just ask, ask her. And, yeah. and that'll, that'll earn the grade. Like just participate, be here, be present in the class and you can still earn 
earn a grade as opposed to sitting in the back and, and being bored the entire time. And if yeah, they're cool about it, you can have, yeah. it's almost one of those transcendent experiences, you know? Um, that might be a good, uh, I, I don't know where we are at time here. Are we, uh, did we hit the hour, uh, uh, already? Yeah. And then, and then some, and then some, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't really, over, probably. yeah, I'm, I'm all good if you go a little bit longer, but, uh, uh, maybe you guys could speak of, uh, have you, have you ever had one of those, uh, classes that was just like one of those transcendent experiences where I don't know, like, uh, uh, Mars was in retrograde or whatever, uh, you know, the, the planets lined up and, uh, and it was just like. It was just an awesome experience all the way through. And uh, I, I mean, had, I'm sure we've all had that, yeah. but I'm just wondering if you guys, you know, could, I, could I speak on a, that. I had a student. That's every like one of my classes. Every one of your classes, they're all transcendent. They're, <laughs> they're all transcendent. He's just okay. over the moon. They're all <laughs> I, I had, um, I that. all yeah. all of us have had classes where you have like that one student that kind of carries things. Like they bring the positive energy they they do all the class control for you because they just want they want the class to happen and they don't even know that they just they're just moving it um i had one student like this and she was exceptional um i later came to learn that her gpa was like a 4.2 i mean she was just an exceptional student in general super super motivated had never been out of the country but she had like just perfect pronunciation like she, she was just dedicated to learning the english language and communication she wanted to be a teacher um english language uh major and so yeah she she not only carried that class so much she kind of took it over uh in a way she didn't even know it she had no idea but she did she have um, like a, a lot of charisma i mean was she just a very charismatic person as well do you think you would you would think on meeting her that she was very shy it was like this okay. passive charisma she mm-hmm. was carrying the class and didn't she really she was an authority in the room and had no idea it was like this yeah and i i just really enjoyed this student uh later she came to my i do like english clinic which is our tutoring session we have at our, our university so it's one-on-one uh counseling with students they can sign up for just to basically practice conversation like work on their resumes or whatever she just started coming to that routinely because again she's like a super enthusiastic student um she ended up having an opportunity to, to study abroad. And she had a few opportunities. I still remember this. I don't know what the three universities were. One was in Minnesota, um, <laughs> like r- rural Minnesota. Did I tell you about this student? Right I, I met a student that went to the same university as me. I went to a university for one year. She lived, uh, I think she I'm was in the, the same name, dormitory as me, but uh, I, I think I know it might be the same student. It's, I think it's the same person. Okay. So she had the opportunity of going there to freezing Minnesota, rural countryside, freezing Minnesota, or like Hawaii or New York City. And she chose Minnesota. When I asked her about it, she's like, well, you're from Wisconsin. I thought it'd be cool to be near like where, you know, I'm like, oh my God, why did you not go to Hawaii? Why did you not go to New York? Are you insane? I didn't say that. I was too flattered and, uh, you know, it's her choice. That that was kind of the the reasoning I remember her telling me was it had something to do with the fact that that was my background. Um, Cool, whatever. So she went there. Well, I, I have a huge family. I've got like, like tons of cousins and I have a big family and, you know, farm families. So um, I just put out a general email to my family and I'm like, yo, I've got this student that's there in the general region. If anybody's around, you know, maybe, you know, she doesn't know anybody. Well, of course, you know, 
how family can be sometimes. They just adopted her. So she ended up coming out. She met my parents. She like wow. ended up, she's in like family photos for Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff, hanging out with my nieces and nephews. That's so that fantastic. was that was probably like the nexus of uh, my my teaching experience was to have a student so involved with my classroom that they just took over my room and then like took yeah. over my life. Like they they ended up coming into my family photos. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that, that is one of those transcendent experiences because That'll never happen again. Well, the funny thing is, is like here's here's what what I want what I try to explain to my students in the at the beginning of the semester. I was like, I'm like, uh, if you just surrender to the groove, this is going to be great. All you have to do, just don't push back, don't fight me, don't you know, trust me. I, I've prepared these activities. There's a, there's a, you know, a methodology behind these. And if you just, you know, say, I'm going to try, it doesn't mean you have to perform at a certain level or that anyone's, you know, I'm not going to judge you. Um, uh, if you, you know, make a grammar mistake or whatever. And I just find that like those classes that just go like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put my anxieties aside and I'm just going to try my best and do what, you know, do what you, you know, do the activities you prepared for me because I'm going to put my trust in you as a teacher to, and, and those, those classes are always just, oh man, they're, they're, they're fantastic. You look forward to, you know, to, to going and teaching those students. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, like a, a group of a very, uh, oh, I, can't, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of is just very, um, not not will the opposite of that you know just like you get a lot of pushback or a lot of apathy or whatever yeah. and uh and those those situations are kind of enervating for the teacher right it just kind of drains your energy and you're just like uh, now i'm just totally it's that it's like jogging uphill you know and uh and then you have those 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 transcendent classes where everyone's just kind of on on board even if they're it doesn't matter if they're low middle high level it just it's it's very much about attitude that i find is mm -hmm. is really so important and so and you just can't and you just never know how the group dynamic is going to play out you know and it's, yeah uh, do, do you remember teaching uh, ciep doing the camps yes the i do camps. remember that we that's yeah, a that was, summer program that was right? a big aha for me too yeah so we mm -hmm. at our university we teach a camp that's not for credit um, students take it, they get, uh, what do they get? They, they, well, it's free. This, the, I think it's mm -hmm. on grant money or something, whatever, but they get to take like, they, originally it was like, they take an OPEC test before and after. So they get a free OPEC test. Uh, they get to see their improvement or whatever. And the, the idea at the camp was just to do anything to play with language, doing a lot of public speeches. They made movies, set to write a script. They have to act, they record it. And we had all these, these things we're doing. That was an aha moment for me because there was no grades. And the students were just thrilled. And I enjoyed teaching so much because it wasn't teaching. It was a party every day. I, I was using my own money to buy like coffee and donuts and stuff because it was yeah. just a way to keep the energy flowing. People yeah. were the students were doing the same thing. People were just stoked. Yeah, students would show up late sometimes because, well, it's a non-credit course. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, get the kid shows up, he's hungover because it's a Wednesday and it's vacation. Okay, whatever. But you don't judge them for it. You don't have to. It's just like, hey. They get back in the groove. They get back back in their in the lane because it's what you got to do. I took a lot of those activities and brought them into my regular class because oh, so did I. I yeah, yeah. Because I think I think the way I started to see my class was okay. I want to have that. I want to have that, but I also need to have objective measures that are. Um, how can I say? 
well, productive objective yeah. measures not just objective measures that give a grade that are like about nothing mm -hmm. they need to be it needs to be relative relative objective measures but having that that party go on you bring that together and you have a rocking class and you have yeah. so much fun you have so much productivity so much engagement um yeah and i, I still haven't i haven't perfected it but I, that, that's what i think it's what i'm still trying to hone but i think that that is really goes to the crux of today's episode is that it's uh if you think you're just going to walk in there on day one and kind of figure it out and find yeah. your teaching voice <laughs> and and it, it really is the difference between the theory of swimming and actual swimming you know it's it's the it, it, you can talk about it you can study it you can read all about swimming but until you get in the water and you start paddling around you're, you're not going to really understand uh what it is and it and it, and it takes it takes years you know to yeah. uh to kind of develop uh, your own teaching style it's it's a uh, i've heard it explained this way it's an art form uh more than a science so you know yeah. um and i i think i agree with that i think i definitely agree with that um i don't know what do you reckon we uh should we wrap this one up for today i i don't know if we <laughs> successfully covered the topic or not but either way it was a very interesting conversation so I yeah think our it has been, been yeah, I, I had a blast, man. I, I I didn't realize how much I enjoy talking about methodology and classroom with you guys. Like that, this yeah. is our conversation, Jack. I mean, come on, me, you, oh. and Kevin. This is what we. This is why we're friends. We talk about absolutely. Our yeah, yeah. This, this we'll is our. Yeah, I mean, this is this is how I define myself in in many ways. You know, I mean, this is what I spend most of my time doing is in the classroom teaching, and uh, if you take it seriously. Um, I think, you, you know, everyone that takes it seriously thinks about these issues. And uh, so hopefully for, you know, I'm, I'm hope that uh, some of our listeners are, are kind of new to teaching in Korea. And, uh, you know, they, they don't, we all started in that very awkward space. Where, you know, you Amen. just, we, we all started with tic-tac-toe on the whiteboard, you know, and uh, trust Amen. me. Uh, yeah, if I can, if I can do it, you, anybody can do it. You just need, uh, it just takes time. It takes, uh, you know, a little bit of effort and, uh, you know, a lot of experience and uh, you're going to grow and you're going to figure it out. And, uh, and everybody's got a different voice and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very, yeah. uh, it's, it's stay, stay humble and have yeah. fun and try not to get upset when you don't understand what's going on. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the big thing. I see, I see teachers over the years, they, they get frustrated because things aren't going exactly the way they want it. They're, they're trying, they're trying too hard to police and, you know, be, yeah. be willing, and, be willing to just admit that you don't know what the hell you're doing. At least that's what, that's what worked for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, no, sorry about that guys. Uh, <laughs> forgot to mute my phone. Uh well, that's it for tonight. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, hit the like button on uh, the videos, too. If you're listening to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, etc. If you really want to help us out, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, shoot us an email at thesoulpatch at gmail.com. And if you have anything to add to the discussion, uh, uh, you know, please uh, you know, send us an email. I promise I'll read it out loud. Uh, I'm still waiting for it. Go ahead and send it. Uh, do your best. And uh, take care. We'll, uh, we'll catch you at the patch next week, everyone. Uh, thank you and good night. All right, good night. Good night.